0: This is Kimberly Amici, and I'd like to welcome you to the Build Your Best Family podcast. This is a practical show that helps you imagine, plan, and build your best family. Over the next few weeks, I'll be taking some time off to spend with my family and work on a fresh new season of the show. While I'm doing this, I'll be rebroadcasting some of your favorite episodes from the past season and beyond. This week's episode is one I pulled from the archives. It's with my friend Rourke Denver on what a Navy SEAL can teach us about family culture. This conversation gives us a unique perspective on why a healthy culture is essential to success no matter what environment you find yourself in. A strong, intentionally created culture is a game changer in organizations, ministry, and home. It can determine whether you fail or succeed, achieve your goals, or miss the mark. In the military, it's the difference between life and death. If you're not convinced that culture matters, this episode will persuade you otherwise.
1: So, Kimberly, I have to confess, I'm a bit jealous that you got to do this interview without me, or at <laughs> least at least, even if I got to talk to him the same day um, a little bit more. Very impressed by Rourke, his book Um, has been amazing. There's a lot to learn from the SEALs as it relates to family culture, for sure. Um, What stuck out to you most in this interview?
0: Well, I think that as I talk to him, I get the sense that he has absolutely lived everything that he's talked about, meaning that when he talks about doing hard stuff, it's because he's done the hard stuff. When he talks about um, guarding culture, it's because he knows what it's like to rigorously guard culture. When he talks about what works and doesn't work, it's because he's had that experience. He's not just talking in theory. He's not just teaching us some principles that he learned out of a book. He has lived this, breathed this, and it's just evident with the authority that he speaks on the subject. And it's so fascinating to hear the stories and the things that he has um, been through, come up against, and overcome.
1: Yeah, one of the things that stood out to me is the fact that he talked about SEAL training, but this really a- applies to, to all of us, is like they, he, he described them as doing the basics better than anyone else. That is, gear's the same, um, their equipment's the same, but it's all about doing the basics, the training, the mindset, mm-hmm. um, and the strong culture um, mm-hmm. that they have. That's the game changer. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he, he said something about having an irrational belief that you're going to get through it, succeed no matter what. Mm-hmm. And, and to, to his point though, he said, that doesn't always happen, but you have this irrational belief mm-hmm. that you're going to get through it. Mm-hmm. You're going to succeed. Mm-hmm. You're going to win.
0: Yeah, and I think that belief is so important. I mean, the more I learn about mindset and the more I learn about what you think determines how you feel and therefore how you act, it just reinforces this idea that your belief, is going to drive you into the direction that you want to go so what do you believe about your family what do you believe about your family's purpose what do you believe that you want to pass down to your children because that's really going to help you navigate all of the obstacles it doesn't have to be the same belief as another family but the belief in and of itself is just such a great motivator for us as parents but also for kids you know he talked a lot about doing hard things and teaching his kids to do hard things so i'm curious Um, Carl, has there been something that you experienced that was a challenge that maybe you didn't want to do, but you stuck with it, you made it through and you're better for it?
1: Yeah, I have a good example of that. I actually um chuckled at what he said in the interview about his girls. Meaning if they say they can't do something, he makes them stop until they get actually get it done. So it was funny listening to that part of the interview. But for me, I would say in work, um one that stands out from a work perspective, for me was a challenge that I was given in a new role. I kind of didn't know how big of a challenge it was until I got there really in the first week. And I realized that I was um, a very junior person dealing with a bunch of senior people on a very big problem that kind of escalated to a level that was well beyond where I thought it was. Um, and And I use the analogy for people at work that I describe this to as being chum in the in a pool of <laughs> a great white sharks um but it was one of those challenges that that I believed that I could get through it I believed that what I was doing was the right path I believed that it was slower than I wanted it to be um because it's one of those things that you wanted to fix fast um but I still stuck to the fact that I was on the right path I had the the right guidance and mentorship and 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 teaching that to my team as well and having them stick through it and coming out the other side ha- being able to look back for the last year and a half and say wow look how much we achieved because mm-hmm. it didn't happen in one month or it didn't happen in one week it happened over that year and a half and looking back and and all, thinking through all the pain the very late nights and then looking back and say wow look how much we achieved and having that um having that pride and you know having achieved that success in this particular um area was very um empowering to me but it was also as as individually but as a leader but and also you know i got great comments back from the team that 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 really kind of suffered through it mm-hmm. and came out the other end and 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 realized it's that sticking to it that hard work putting in the effort And um, knowing that you'll succeed on the other end. And Rourke talks a lot about that in the interview.
0: I think that happens a lot where we do something that we don't think can be done and we stick with it and we keep showing up and we're there every day. And then we look back and we're like, oh, my gosh, like I didn't see this success coming or I didn't see in the beginning. I definitely didn't see that I could overcome this obstacle. For me, it was more in terms of like something tough that I did was a few years back I ran a half marathon and I was the runner in high school who like couldn't even get around the track once and so for me to be a runner was like yeah right and I got myself a plan I practiced and ran and and stuck to the plan and to be able to just finish that half marathon I still look at that as a big accomplishment because I think about that when I'm doing new things that I think are impossible. I think if I can stick with the plan, if I can run 13.1 miles <laughs> and survive, then I can do whatever is before me if I just try and I believe in myself and I refuse to quit.
1: And, and you're right. And we have to have that just as parents um, with our children and our family. And it's these um, the things that we're hopefully teaching our listeners um, mm-hmm. and bringing to our listeners that help them kind of get through and navigate And come out very strong on the other end.
0: Mm -hmm. So, you know, Rourke says that to guard your culture is super important. He says, don't let anyone convince you to give away what you believe in. As parents, we have to guard our culture. Never is that more apparent than in the teenage years, which is what we're in now. Um, So my question to you is, as a parent, what does guarding our culture look like?
1: Well... It starts with our core values, right? And it, and it starts with what we talked about um, in previous podcasts, which is guarding our, um, what we say yes to, um, but but it also helps us, guide us on what to say no to. And we say no to watching certain types of things on TV or movies. Um, we say no to certain um, types of events that we feel like could create a situation that, that, that we'd we would want our children to kind of avoid. Um, so it's protecting your eyes, protecting your ears, protecting your mind through your, your core values. Mm-hmm. But as you, as you, define your values you live by your values and you walk out your values daily it just becomes mm-hmm. easier and it becomes easier for the kids as well so it's 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 just not doing keeping up with your neighbors it's going to your core values not my neighbor just bought a brand new f-150 and i want one too <laughs> <laughs> so but i don't have the money but let me let me you know what i'm saying yeah it's it's um you know, going to your core values Mm -hmm. as your guidance, not your neighbor.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, buying things, especially things that you can't afford to keep up with your neighbors is definitely a a great example of that. Um, But I also hear... You know, mom, my friends are allowed to do this, or mom, their parents don't do that. And I've really had to remind myself that the decisions made by other parents do not need to reflect my decisions. And so if I give in to every whim because I feel like other moms are making different decisions than me, then I'm not guarding my culture, then I'm not believing in what is important to me. I'm letting everybody else determine it. And you know what the interesting thing about that is, and I'm finding with the teenager that sometimes when you start to talk to other moms that you find in fact they do think the same way as you and your child just doesn't realize that so even just taking that extra step of not only being persuaded by what you think other people think, but actually going out there and having conversations and finding out like who can support you in your decisions for your children and aligning them with other people and saying, Oh, you don't find this acceptable. I don't find this acceptable either. That's great. We're on the same page. How can we work together to help our children make better choices?
1: Well, that definitely helps. I think the other thing that helps is um, the fact that we have developed these core values and practice these core values because when you're in the heat of the discussion with the child, um, you can easily say, look, that does not align with our core values. And this is the mm-hmm. core value it doesn't align with. So it doesn't matter what your friend or friends mm-hmm. are doing, or it seems like everybody's doing. Mm-hmm. It doesn't align with our core values. And once you say it that way, even though they're like, mm, you know, I <laughs> I wish we didn't have that core value, they get it. Yeah. So begrudgingly or not, most of the time they do get it.
0: Yeah. You know, Rourke even says about how what differentiates the Navy SEALs from other branches of even the military is their culture. So that's fascinating to me because the military has the same access to weapons, to tactics, to strategies, but culture is what differentiates them. And that's the same for families in our neighborhood. Our culture differentiates us from the other families in our neighborhood. And I think that, that it's so important to yeah, just be on top of that and be aware of what you want your family to be known for and pursue it. Absolutely. Today, I'm talking with Commander Rourke Denver. Rourke is a Navy SEAL who has led special forces missions in the Middle East, Africa, Latin America, and other international hotspots. He starred in the hit film, Active Valor, which is based on true SEAL adventures. His first book, the New York Times bestseller, Damn Few, takes you inside his personal story and the fascinating, demanding SEAL training program. His second book, Worth Dying For, speaks to leadership, service, and the future of our nation. He also starred in season one of the Fox TV show, American Grit. He holds a Bachelor of Arts degree from Syracuse University, where he was an All-American lacrosse player and captain of the varsity lacrosse team. He earned a master's degree in global business leadership from the University of San Diego. He's also the founder and CEO of Ever Onward, a leadership and human performance brand. So excited to have you on our podcast. Um, It has been years and years since I've seen you. um, Just letting our listeners know, we went to the same college. And what year did you graduate?
2: I graduated in 96.
0: Okay, so I graduated in 96. I knew there was overlap, but I didn't know um, how it was. Um, But it's been a pleasure to watch your career thrive um, and to see all of the things that you're doing. So I want to start off and talk about... um, gosh, your early years of experience in the Navy SEALs. Um, I was listening to a podcast and I've actually heard you say it several times is that you can teach an orangutan to shoot, but it's the culture that leads us to solve problems, seek new technologies and skill sets. So why don't you tell us about the culture of the SEALs and why culture is such a game changer when it comes to what you guys did and do.
2: Yeah, no, and it's great to see you again and talk to you. Uh, Yeah, it's, uh, uh, you know, really, I I think people have this very... the, the, the seals have been thrust into this unbelievable kind of public light that we've never uh, enjoyed. Might not be the right word, but never mm-hmm. been in before. You know, we were very much in the shadows uh, from our inception in, in the '60s up through you know the current era of modern warfare. And I think because of you know the Bin Laden raid and rescuing Captain Phillips, and now there's been movies and books and all kinds of stuff. We've we've really been thrust you know out of the shadows more so than ever in our history. I think the mystique and the mythic, uh, you know, kind of idea of the SEAL still exists. Mm-hmm. But if we unpack what makes our organization special, we don't have tactics or weapons or systems that are really different than any other military um, unit on the battlefield. We we, mm-hmm. we don't. We use the same guns that uh, the Army uses and so on and so forth. There might be a little variance, but it really is the culture. It It is the mentality and kind of the... Um, you know, DNA of our team of, of not quitting, of not giving up, of always taking care of one another and and really working towards, um, mission accomplishment and everything we do that separates us from others on the battlefield. It's doing Mm -hmm. the basics better than anybody else. It's doing, um, the simple things well, and and then just having this near irrational confidence and belief in our abilities out in the battlefield. And and Mm -hmm. you know that as a parent, you know, that as a person, if nothing else, if you believe in yourself and believe you can achieve what you're trying to do and don't quit, you got a pretty good chance of getting to the finish line and, and getting yeah. it done. And that, that, that's really what separates us, I think, from the other um, units on the battlefield, much more so than any skill set.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, and I absolutely believe that culture applies to almost everything we do. Um, you, I think you agreed too. like, you've been on sports teams, you've worked in all different types of environments. So talk to us about how culture can apply to all the areas of our life, our workplace and even our family.
2: Yeah. I mean, you know, we were at Syracuse at the same time. Mm -hmm. Um, I played on the lacrosse team when I was there. And in that era, um, we were competing for the national championship every single year. You know, we went to the final four, all four years I was there. We won the national championship twice when I was there, fell short Mm -hmm. by a game, two years, Um, I am utterly convinced while, while that game has grown tremendously. So now there's Mm -hmm. just, there's just far more competition on, on, on the battlefield. Um, I don't think we were doing anything different in practice that made us better than in that era, Princeton and Hopkins or Virginia. I -hmm. truly believe the coach we played for was just a master one recruiter and two motivator and created a culture in that program that was just based on the belief that we were going to win Mm-hmm. Almost no matter what was thrown at us. So in the four years I played there, I can say this very sincerely. I only worried about one game I ever played in every game besides the one game. It was the last game I played <laughs> it was a loss. Um, we believe we were going to win. And it didn't mean we won every game, but we believed we were going to win that game. And that if somebody mm-hmm. was going to beat us, they were going to have to take it from us. Um, it's a potent alchemy to, to have this kind of belief in yourself and belief in the whatever process you're using to get to a good end state. Um, you know, it's, it's on the posters and the motivational, you know, emails and texts you get, but the problem is they're all right is most people get, I think, annoyed by them now. Mm -hmm. But when it says, you know, don't quit, um, shoot for the stars and all these like cliche things, Mm -hmm. they're also true. You know, the the people that go succeed in this world are the ones that are willing to not take no for an answer and just believe in themselves and will just go through this dogmatic process Mm -hmm. of pursuit of getting to where they want to be. You know, every Mm -hmm. once in a while, there's a, uh, you know, virgins in the force, right? There's an Elon Musk that th- their brain operates on a level that is so, so extreme. Um, it's probably unhealthy to the individual, but also produces this massive amount. In general, those are very, very rare cases. Most people, um, you know, talent is nice to have. I've rarely seen talent win the day. It's the person that's willing to work harder and sweat and mm-hmm. suffer and grind. Um, mm-hmm. That 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 usually excels beyond those um, that don't.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, I was thinking the other day about um school in Syracuse and um I was a bartender in college and the first job I ever had, I answered an ad in the paper that said bartender no experience necessary. And so it was an off-campus bar, I showed up, he talked to me for a few minutes and he hired me. And what he told me and I I know now that it was about culture and yeah. obviously wasn't about my skill set is that if you are a fit here, I can teach you to serve drinks. I can teach you to mix drinks what we're looking okay. for is someone who's going to come in who's going to be a part of the community that we've created over the years and so I think that culture touches on so many aspects of our life and um, it's just interesting to see that connection and know yeah. that now I mean I didn't know it then
2: for sure and and you need to be you need to be a guardian of whatever culture you're cultivating right you need uh-huh. to be the person or the culture you know at large needs yeah. to buy in and then also in my mind, obviously in the SEAL teams, we talk about violence and intensity, but mm-hmm. we are almost violent in our defense of our culture. So yeah. there's nobody that comes to our organization that's going to change it. And I don't mean we're not going to adapt and we're not going to um, constantly be moving forward and looking for new systems, technologies, tactics, and things we can leverage to win on the battlefield. The things we won't give away are that you know, that elemental level of what we believe in. So when you go mm-hmm. to SEAL training on our main um, PT ground, our main, like, like we call it the grinder, but where we do push ups, sit-ups, pull-ups, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Around that square, it's a quad. There are these just very simple etched in wood, blue for Navy and gold writing that goes through mm-hmm. it. Um, you know, mantras, which we've, you and I have talked about are important, mm-hmm. but you know, it pays to be a winner. Be someone special. The only easy day was yesterday. Mm -hmm. And so you look at these things, they again, they sound like, okay, yeah, we got a motivational board up there on the wall. But eventually, through the training, you just start looking at you're like, you know, that's actually who we are, you know, it does pay to be a winner, because in our line of work, the loser, unfortunately, is probably going home in a pine box. And the only easy day was yesterday. I mean, if you just think of that, you're like, look, Mm -hmm. everything you've done up to this point yeah, it's done. It's, it's hard moving forward. Be okay with that and keep grinding through it. But mm-hmm. those, those are the things that lead to really, really good places. And, and, yeah. um, I know we're going to talk more about it, but I think there's tremendous merit in suffering and suffering and in suffering and doing hard things.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um, absolutely. What I've learned about culture is that you have to guard it and there's it, it the best way to guard it is to systematize it. So what did you guys do as seals that reinforce that culture consistently? I've heard that that you guys are fanatical about what you do and how you do it, that it's something that is consistent, it is something you can count on and something that's not gonna let you down.
2: You know, the military at large does this well. And it, it's certainly not just the seals. The, the one thing I, I think people see either pictures of basic recruits or basic training, or they see it in the movies and you're like, yeah, mm-hmm. this, this, you know, this drill instructor is tearing this person apart because their shoes weren't polished. Right. Or their uniform was off an eighth of an inch where they should have had a medal compared to where it should be. Mm-hmm. Um, that seems like a very small detail. Why yeah. would that be a big deal? Well, Attention to detail and paying attention to those things then becomes attention to detail on the battlefield, attention mm-hmm. to detail in a gunfight or doing something that could cost the lives of you and your teammates if you do it wrong. Mm-hmm. So these, these small little building blocks are what then kind of cascade into this much bigger, you know, these singular drops into this waterfall or this powerful, you know, kind of tide of behavior. So we start at the very, very basic level. Everybody shaves their head. Everybody wears the same uniform. We're like, look, we're going to take the individual out of this thing. The team is more important. So th- there's, there's the most basic principle within the military that you are not important in so much that the team is always mm-hmm. going to take precedence over you. And the mm-hmm. only thing you can o- do is add to that team, add to that culture, or take away from it. And if, mm, if you yep. take away from it, we're probably not going to suffer that. It's probably going to yeah. be time to move on. And, and, you know, you could cost somebody um, your life. But I, I, think, I think for us, all these little details of discipline lead towards a truly disciplined life. So we show up at work on time. Like you don't get to be late in the military, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you, sooner or later, you're going to get caught in traffic, you're going to be late, but you're going to pay a price for it. Yeah. And I used to remember I, I, I'm a super early riser and I like being super early to work. So I never was even in jeopardy of being late. But I remember I <laughs> saw somebody would show up and be like, oh, sorry, I'm late. You know, I hit traffic. I'm like, what do you think? I took a helicopter here? I just left earlier than you. Mm-hmm. I think it's not an excuse. Get yeah. up earlier and be here, you know? Yeah. And so We hold, um, we hold our rituals and our beliefs. And and then it's, you know, again, the military, it's it's you show up on time, our meetings executed at the same time, on every military base in the United States in the morning, you have the flag go up in the morning, and we call it Reveille and, and the trumpet Mm -hmm. plays and we all stand at attention and salute or render honors to the flag. And, and really, it, it looks It looks you almost um, cultish, but it's just this this shared collective of this is what we believe in. This is what we're thinking of and what's important to us. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, flag goes down. Everybody has the same thing, and you at least have these two points in the day where everybody is thinking about the same thing and kind of connecting to you you know the tissue of what we believe in. Mm -hmm. And throughout the day, we water that. We just we just do things together in such a way that 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 builds this tremendous spirit and culture that is. You know, virtually unbreakable. It's Mm -hmm. a very, very special thing, but we do that through rituals. We do Mm -hmm. that through mantras and repetition so -hmm. that it becomes second nature that what we believe in, what we're trying to do, is understood at now almost a a subconscious level.
0: Yeah. I've heard that most successful cultures, they do these things, this repetition, almost more than you think is needed. Those are the ones, those are the companies, those are the organizations that are successful, not the ones that do it occasionally or even somewhat regularly, it's people that do it. It's the organizations that do it so much that you think, all right, already, but those are the ones that thrive.
2: They're the ones that thrive because it becomes because you push, you move the needle so far past probably where it needs to be, Mm -hmm. that even if it takes a dip, it's never gonna go below the line where you need it. Yeah, I think about our training missions in the military, like like we do what are called over-the-beach operations. So let's say we've got a bunch of SEALs off the coast of a of a target area or a beach that we're gonna go hit. Africa, Mm -hmm. name it, or let's say we're just training in San Diego. Well, in a training mission, you know, we could there's no enemy force on the beach. So I could launch my team. Know 200 yards from the beach, we could swim in and and make it easy. I would say, No, we're going to do a five mile swim in. And -hmm. the guys would be like, We don't need to do five miles. I'm (laughs) like, I know know we don't need to do five miles, but when it calls for five miles, or if the mission calls for two miles, it's going to seem like a walk in the park. So Mm -hmm. if I go beyond where I need to be and make it a little bit uncomfortable, then everything inside that gets easy. Mm -hmm. I think is, uh, I think is one of those real tricks, almost of the mind and body. um, That's a gift you give yourself. So like, you know, my I've got two kiddos at home, I've got I got two little girls, if they ever say I can't, I mean, they've basically learned to not say I can't around Papa, because if they say Mm -hmm. I can't, we are now going to stay until you do. (laughs) I can't can't let that pass. Unfortunately, unfortunately, we've derailed probably the rest of the day, you're going to get through that. And, And inevitably, they do. And you're like, well, you said you can't, you could, we mm-hmm. should, uh, the first time and we'd be good. Yeah. So those are, those, those are the, those are the building blocks.
0: Yeah. I mean, I've heard you say, and I, I hear lots of people saying this now, um, you default to your highest level of training. For sure. So what it is that you're pushing yourself to do consistently in the times when you're under stress and when things are hard and when you're not sure what decision to make, you're going to default to that thing that you've been practicing training and doing. That's
2: right. The great the great line in the military is you don't rise the occasion, you default to your training. And, mm-hmm. and I've seen that true. Particularly, obviously, when we talk about SEAL behavior, it's at the highest level of human intensity you can have because you're, you're competing for lives back and forth on the battlefield. But mm-hmm. I've rarely seen in intense moments anybody do something spectacular spectacular. spectacular that we'd never done before. What Mm -hmm. they do is exactly what we practice. And it's the same Mm -hmm. thing, whether it be sports, a family, if you practice well, you're probably going to play well. There is not a team in the country at any level of sport that has subpar practice and that translates to exceptional performance it does not exist so look at the teams I I mean I I was at the Super Bowl a couple years I was I was I got invited um, to help Getty Images you know all the photographers Mm -hmm. that take the pictures on the sidelines so it was the uh, uh, the game out in Houston with Atlanta and the Patriots I'm there in the pregame watching the Patriots warm up and I see Tom Brady throwing passes to, you know, Edelman and, and Amidou, yeah. all, you are know, all his great receivers. And it was unbelievable because I was so close. I could see Brady's face and his kind of mannerisms. Mm-hmm. He would throw a pass that by every definition to anyone on earth, I mean, you're talking about almost at this point, inarguably the best quarterback in history, certainly mm-hmm. by the numbers, yeah. a pass that looked perfect to me, but it was off. I could see in his mind by maybe... Inches. I mean, we're talking inches of where this ball is. He's throwing the best receivers in the country. They're going to catch it inches off. But I could see him almost snap his fingers, walk back and be like, do it again. So he could get it perfect. And so you're talking about the best performer on the biggest stage on the biggest night of the year. And in warm ups, a couple inches off was not okay with it. Yeah. We know the results. I mean, they were down by 30 some odd points in yeah. the game. It was just otherworldly to watch that team walk out of the locker room at halftime being 30 some odd points down. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you just looked at the entire team, you could tell they're like, we're not done. We're just yeah. going to keep going. It, it, was, it was special to, be, to feel that in the room and see it. it yeah. it's, it's really something.
0: And, you know, to be honest, I want to raise children like that. I think that nowadays we make it just too easy for kids to be comfortable. We want to protect them. We set them up for success in a way that never lets them be challenged or grow. Um, In your most recent book, you said that confidence comes in achieving things that challenge us. So you've already mentioned with your girls how you don't let them say, I can't. Um, Why don't you tell us more about your experience with this and, and how this applies to all areas of our life?
2: So I have two thoughts on that. When it comes to doing hard things, uh, one of my good buddies is, uh, uh he's got a show on the outdoor channel. Now it's on Netflix. It's actually a hunting show. If you're an anti hunting, don't worry about this for the, the, the purpose of what I'm going to say next. Um, <laughs> very, very neat guy. He actually shows you how to cook the food and all that yeah. stuff. He's just a phenomenal human being, but he, he has this concept of how, um, the kind of hierarchy of enjoyment in life often comes down to how bad things get, as opposed yeah. to how good things are. That's so and he's true. Only totally right when it comes to it, and everybody mm-hmm. knows this on this. And, and his his kind of analogy is um, a roller coaster, for instance. A roller coaster at some theme park lasts, you know, 15, mm-hmm. 30 seconds. Let's call it right, and it's super fun for that thirty seconds if you like roller coasters. Mm-hmm. But 30, 40 years from now, if, if you and I were on that roller coaster outside of Syracuse at the fair, you and I in this conversation would not talk about that roller coaster as like one of those really like awesome moments in our life. Yeah. But you'll talk about how cold it was waiting for a bus in Syracuse. in February, <laughs> yeah. Like how you just put on 19 layers, you're still cold, walking through four foot snowdrifts snow drifts to get to a math test you don't want to go take, which is yeah. what it takes to go to school in Syracuse. So he yeah. talks about how, you know, the week of sitting in horrible, rain somewhere off the coast of Alaska, you know, waiting for the potential of, 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 of an animal he's chasing is going to be something, while it's horrible in the yes. moment, is the thing you're going to remember late in life positive. Nobody ever jumped up and celebrated the roller coaster, they celebrate the tough times. So mm-hmm. when it comes to my kids, I mean, I think the I think the balance with a kid is I don't want to be a drill instructor. I mean, I don't want to Mm -hmm. be like the Navy SEAL dad with my kids, but there's sure parts of it I want to drive into them. So the camp Mm -hmm. thing is a big, um, a big red flag for me. Um, My bride and I noticed like very young when a kid, um, and and you just said it, like it's this collective need of making things easy and helping kids. I think we're hurting them. You know, a kid looks like they're struggling with their their zipper on their jacket. I mean, other parents will rush in to help your Mm -hmm. kids zip their jacket. I want to be like no please let her zip up her own jacket. That's how she's going to learn to zip yeah. up her own jacket. Like yeah. if it doesn't come from you doing it. You got to let yeah. them do it. So, um, I always find myself in this push and pull between how hard I can, how hard I can let them go. Um, Mm -hmm. Our our youngest had a soccer tournament this past weekend. Um, We live up in the mountains. So there's beautiful trees and we turned around and and at a break between games, she's 45 feet up in the street (laughs) with other kids. I mean, she's up and and, and my bride's kind of like, Oh my God, if she's falls, she's in big trouble. I'm like, Yeah. yeah, but I actually think that's how you learn to get in over your head and assess uh, risk and you yeah. know, put yourself in tough spots. She's going to figure it out or, uh, you know, hopefully the fall and the, and the, accident is a catastrophic, you know? And, and so those are the moments. I think you got to figure out how much rope can you give yeah. where they're not actually going to genuinely, uh, you know, make their, make their mistakes survivable, but yeah. they got to make mistakes and struggle. Cause that's, you know, you don't get to hide from it in life. You don't get to run away from pain. Yep. You don't get to escape hardship. It Mm-mm. finds us all. And you might as well be inoculated to it.
0: Yeah. Um, my son wrestles. And um, I, have my, I have a big background in wrestling. I, I worked with it in high school, college, oh, and then never, at the Olympics. Yeah, yeah. And so he started wrestling. And it was, it was one of those things where I'm like, I'm going to let him decide. Like, I'm not going to tell him all mommy's stories. I'm going to let him decide. So he's been wrestling for a few years now. And like the first year he like went to practice, didn't compete. The second year he started toying around with it. And then he got like called up to varsity. So he's third, fourth grade, like varsity is just the bigger team. And um, he started competing. And I mean, it to me, I mean, I've been around sports my life, but and being with like working with wrestling in college did not prepare me for what it was like to be a mom of a boy who's wrestling and so that first season when i tell you that every time he walked off that mat he would cry like i would see boys crying in the hallway after they lost and he figured out what he had to do in his mindset when he had to do like you know he's like, mommy, I'm going to pray before every match. Mommy, it's okay. Like we talked through what it meant to change our mindset. And then he would cry and go out there and wrestle again. And then he would cry and he'd go out there. And wrestle <laughs> oh, And then there was a time when we, we saw that there was a tension where we did need to get him a few matches so that he could succeed so that he could feel what it felt like. Yeah. But then we said, you're not giving up. Like you're not going down to the JV team. You can stay here. You can do this. And the tenacity that that boy has just several years later because he knows what it's like oh, yeah. to give everything he's got to 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 not be able to accomplish what he thought he would be able to do, but then get back the next day and get back to practice has been huge. And I'm like, now I'm looking for for opportunities for my girls yeah. to experience the same
2: <laughs> no of course, you know and, and it's I, tough. I think, no, it's and that's where the good stuff comes from, right? I mean, i I'm hugely for. The deep end of the pool. You know, mm-hmm. the stuff doesn't really make you grow. I mean, Syracuse was a good example. I, I mm-hmm. was the first, really one of the first recruits to come from the far west. I mean, from California mm-hmm. to play at one of the real superpowers. I mean, now yeah. there's players from Oregon and Texas yeah. all over the place. Back then, that was unheard of. I mean, you mm-hmm. probably remember, you know, our roster at Syracuse was New York, New York, New York, Maryland. Well, such
0: a cultural thing on the, the yeah. Northeast. I mean, growing up. Yeah.
2: And so I could have gone to a smaller school and, mm-hmm. and I could have stayed in California and played water polo, which was the other sport I played and been far easier path to take. Going to Syracuse was, I'm not going to start as a freshman. I hope I start by the time I'm a senior, Mm -hmm. um, but I'm going to have to earn it. And that's what it turned out to be. But, you know, I feel like those are the, 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 the moments that then you use for the later things in life. I mean, I think stuff like that is why SEAL training was not big deal to me. It was hard, but I Mm -hmm. knew I was going to make it because I'd done a lot of hard things. I think, I think, uh, you know, they're those great lines. I I love quotes and and literature and that stuff, but the, you know, if you're, if if your dreams don't scare you, they're not big enough. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're scared of something, I think John Wayne had a great one where it's like, you know, courage is being scared to death, but saddling up anyway. Right. And then that's, that's what it's about, you know, That's, that's, that's where the good stuff comes.
1: Yeah,
0: definitely. You know, a lot of what we do here at the Family Culture Project involves helping people to narrow down their values so that they can explicitly build it into their culture. I mean, we talked about how important that was. Can you talk to us about how you've seen focus or the lack thereof define a leader? You you know,
2: I, I spent a lot of time in the leadership space, obviously being an officer. I mean, I was a captain on most of the teams I played on in athletics, Um. I wish I could go back and do so, some of those things. Now being an officer in the military, mm-hmm. I would have been a different captain. I would have been more, uh, I think, hands on as a captain, as you yeah. know, you know, even up through the top tier college level, I think most captains are kind of a figurehead and you, you know, you go yeah. out and shake the hands of the person and you go back to practice like everybody else. I actually think if I were coaching a team, I would develop that captain ship mm-hmm. in a very, very different way. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I think you, you got to do a lot of things as a leader to be successful. And that's whether you're a leader of a major corporation or the leader of your family or, or your own life. Um, I think the things I've seen, I, I mean, I, I, we could talk about this for a week. The things I've seen that are, that are always going to be a non-negotiable is consistency, right? So consistency in your behavior and your performance. So if mm-hmm. you um, require something on your team, you better be setting that example and not breaking the line on that. Like, you know, I always wanted to have the best looking uniform. I always showed up early. I stayed late because I couldn't ask my guys, uh, my, my operators to do that if I didn't do it. So that Mm -hmm. modeling and consistency of behavior, um, I think you need to have this kind of balance between um, the power to kind of control and lead and and make sure the the vision and the expectations are met and Mm -hmm. also ensuring that your people know you are really there working for them, right? That Mm -hmm. the higher you go up the leadership paradigm, the more in service you are to those you lead, right? Like the leader that thinks the more power they get, the the more people now work for them, they are blowing it. And if you figure, and you know the leaders that the further they go up, they realize now they have more power to help the team, to Mm -hmm. empower their people. Those are the organizations that thrive. I've got I've got a big culture event coming up that I'm doing with Ginger Hardage of Southwest Airlines. So she's mm-hmm. credited with a lot of the culture that exists at Southwest. They oh, have an
0: incredible like, culture.
2: Look, whether you like flying Southwest or not, you cannot deny when you show up at one of those aircraft, mm-hmm. it's a happy group of people that are making your experience good. They're having a good mm-hmm. time doing it. And I don't think that plane and, and everything they do is anything different than United or Delta or anybody right. else. They've just decided purposely to make it a different experience, both for themselves and for the customer. And I think that's the real thing is 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 when you create a culture that that is infectious and enjoyable and something you want to be a part of, it just it mm-hmm. just bleeds out into everybody else. You know, I mean I don't I don't no, think absolutely Southwest has figured out a way to be like, look, I'm gonna make I'm going to make Rourke or Kimberly's experience good today. Mm-hmm. I think they're just kind of exude it. You're like, well, this is going to be great because we're all in a good mood. Let's go. Mm-hmm. Let's go knock out what <laughs> what everybody is like. I think accepted has just become a horrible part of our lives. Travel and they make mm-hmm. it good. You know, and that's, yeah. purpose. that's purpose. That's yeah.
0: perfect. I heard it's an incredible place to work, and they and they have been empowered to take ownership over their. Um, customer's experience. And I think that ownership and that inclusion and making them feel like they are a part of what's going on is a big game changer too.
2: You know, as a leader for me, w- without question, and, 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 and for me, the one thing I figured out very early was there's not a reason for me to ever tell my guys how to do basically anything. Mm-hmm. I tell them what I need done. You mm-hmm. guys go do it. Yeah. So, so there it is. You know, you'd give that to somebody I mean, nobody on earth likes being micromanaged. Now, look with kids, every once in a while, I'll be
0: like, "Ah, let's let's
2: yeah. maybe try this <laughs> because it's new for them." And, and there's times, yeah. you know, as a seal officer, where I was like, "Look, I've done this before. This is a new guy. Let me. Hey, we already screwed that up about ten times. Here's how yeah. you don't screw it up. Go with that." But in general, I would never tell. I would never tell my operators what to do. I'd tell them what I needed done. Mm-hmm. You guys figure out how you want to get there.
0: Mm-hmm. I love that kind of empowerment. Yeah. Okay, so as we wrap up, tell us the biggest lesson that you've learned over the years, either about culture or leadership that you've applied to your family as a father.
2: You know, if it, my, I, I hit the lottery on parents. I've got a very, very disciplined, focused, uh, both Syracuse alumni, by the way. Mm.
0: Oh, I didn't um, know that. That's awesome.
2: Both very disciplined. You know, he's, my dad's super disciplined, focused, driven, um, very, very, you know, analytical and um, And rigid kind of in in how he lives his life. My Mm -hmm. mom is very artistic and freewheeling and kind of all over the place. I think my brother and I really benefited from this kind of dreamer aspect from our mom that kind of anything's Mm -hmm. possible. And then here's the steps you take to have discipline to get where you want to get. So we, we really got lucky when it came to that. Um, So I could probably think of 10 things from both my parents, the one I'd share today that if there's one I could give to my, my, my kiddos, my daughters that I want them to take with them when they leave the house, if they can do this alone, I would be super excited. And it's the idea of trusting yourself to -hmm. trust yourself. I -hmm. I just think we're so immersed in people's opinion and what they believe and what we think is right. And let me give you my sense of how to do something or or Mm -hmm. who you should be you got to be the best version of who you are and you mm-hmm. got to believe in yourself and trust yourself. I mean that, that, that singular line, both in athletics, in leadership, keeping, I think myself and my team alive on the battlefield. If I felt something was wrong, I would do something about it. If I felt the hair on the back of my neck, stand up, I'd be like, it's time to duck, get behind something. Mm-hmm. Sure enough, a bomb would go off. and It'd be like, wow, something was there that was yeah. helping me do that. And I think if I, if I gave over this trust to somebody else, it'd be a, it'd be a bad thing. So I just want my, my, my kiddos to know, like, look, believe in yourself. I mean, the, the thing I figured, to figure out is that if I make a decision and, and it goes good, great. I made this decision. That was the results. If it goes bad, I mm-hmm. get to own that. Yeah. Whenever I made a decision that was based off someone else's opinion or their recommendation, oh, if it went, if it went great, it'd be like, okay, good. You know, but that wasn't really my idea. If it went bad, <laughs> I'd lose my mind. Cause I'm like, I didn't even make that choice. I yeah. followed someone else's path and it went bad. So, um, Man, if you can just trust yourself, I just think we're yeah. all kind of designed to do the right thing. And I, I think, again, I think most of us know the right thing to do. Very few people mm-hmm. do.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: It's hard and, to do the right thing.
0: Oh, absolutely. And I think a strong family culture supports that. I know that when my kids leave this house, they know what we stand for as a family. And they, because of that, they've also been able to figure out what they stand for as a person and what they want to be known for. Yeah, I love so that. So I think I it, helps that. it helps it a lot. Yeah, for sure. All right. Thank you so much for being with us my today. Pleasure. This was so fun. Catching up. Yeah, I love it. Thanks for having me. You can find Rourke at www.RourkeDenver.com. There he shares tried and true Navy SEAL military principles to inspire leaders to perform at the highest levels. He's on Instagram as Rourke T. Denver and on Twitter as Rourke Denver. Check out his books, Damn Few, The Making of a Modern SEAL, and Worth Dying For, A Navy SEAL's Call to a Nation, wherever books are sold. We'll link to all of this in the show notes. If you'd like to connect beyond the podcast, you can find me over on Instagram. It's my favorite place to hang out and share the ups and downs of everyday life, what we get right and what we get wrong too. You can find me at at Kimberly Michi and you can find the podcast at at buildyourbestfamily. Remember, family culture is not about perfect. It's about purpose.